This is Residence 104.4 FM. How are you doing? I'm Nick Hennigan. This is Literary London, where we talk about, well, London and, well, you know, literature. Except today we're not. Two things are very different today. One is we are recording this in beautiful colour, which, of course, if you're listening in stereo, you'll be able to see. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, we're, we're not actually talking about London. Well, we are a bit talking about London, but talking about a writer that spent some time uh, at school in Chelsea, but actually was born and brought up, uh, lived most of his life and died in the United States of America. And I'm very pleased to say that I've been joined today by Eric Chase, who is an actor and a director from the good old US of A. How you doing, Eric? How are you, Nick? Good to see you again. Likewise. Nice to see you, mate. So um, we're talking about Edgar Allan Poe, of course. And the reason that we're having this chat now is that you run a thing called the London Literary Pub Crawl. Uh, sorry, not the London. You call the literary pub crawl. I run a thing called the London Literary Pub Crawl. I believe you do. Yes, yeah. <laughs> I've been on yours. <laughs> yes, that's where we first met, wasn't it? In uh, in yeah. Snowhow, which is rather lovely. But you do you do a, I say a similar thing. You've been going a lot longer, haven't you? You do a literary pub crawl in uh, in New York. Um, so just before we talk about Edgar Allan Poe specifically, just tell us about yourself. So you're a, an actor, a director, um, and tell us about the literary pub crawl in New York. Sure. So uh, I, I moved over to New York. I was from a, a state called the state of Maine, which is the Northeast bump on the United States. And then I, I moved not too long after college down to New York City to get involved into the, the theater world and the scene that is there. Um, and almost from the beginning, I, I collaborated with a, a small theater company that was starting to do these um, sort of fundraising events at some of the literary bars in Greenwich Village which is a really iconic neighborhood and, and very well known for its literary bohemian and counterculture scene for over a hundred years, um, at least until the nineties. And, um, uh, and, and as we started doing that, one of the actors went on the, the Dublin literary pub crawl and said, you know, this is, this is what we're doing and this is a great format and, you know, tip our hats to them and, and call a shout out. But we started doing some of the, the bars in the Greenwich village area. Uh, doing recitations of some of the writer's work, telling the stories, telling a little bit of that, again, that counterculture scene. Um, and there's just just such a swath of writers um, that lived in that village. I mean, we could go on for eight hours and not cover everybody and everything. Um, and as time has gone on, we'd, uh, we expanded. The theater company kind of went sideways, but uh, we continued on. And we've done, we do a Times Square literary pub crawl that we'd started a couple of years ago and a Brooklyn one that's been going on for a while. And um, the Greenwich Village one is still really the, the hot ticket item. And that's, that's been going on since 1998. And uh, we've expanded. We do, we do a lot of educational tours um, with schools, obviously not going to pubs. <laughs> and um, we've done a lot of writer specific tours and really try to promote the literature with the goal of being entertaining and informative, but also trying to inspire people to read some of these writers. Cause much of our, uh, certainly the world in the States is shaped by writers whose names people have heard of, but many are no longer read anymore. And so we're trying to encourage that, that reading uh, of some of these writers again. Yeah. And I, I think we're quite fortunate being in, in London and in New York because they're sort of everyone's been to one or the other of them, really. Mm-hmm. Most, of the, most of the famous famous writers that are known around the world. And I must be exactly. fair, I, I mean, I've not done your tour yet because I've not been to America for a while, but I must do. And I, I remember spending some time in Greenwich Village uh, 
uh, oh, years ago, I, I was actually, I got a play on at the 52nd Street Theatre or something like that. And I went down to Greenwich Village for a little, a little per personal crawl with a couple of mates. It was a fantastic place. It's, we think of New York here as a sort of big skyscrapers and, you know, a grid system, which makes absolute sense. You know, all the streets go one way in the avenue or whatever the numbers are, you know. Uh, but, but Greenwich Village is older than that, isn't it? So it's a bit more higgledy-piggledy. It feels a bit more kind of London-like almost. It is. Well, I mean, it's, it's very much that old European architecture. I mean, some of the oldest homes are there in Greenwich Village. Um, and, and, and really, a lot of it comes down to, to Jane Jacobs, who was a woman who lived in the village and, and was really trying to prevent some of, some of the, uh, the changes in highways and roads and, 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 and started to get the, the village protected. And so now a lot of that area is a historical neighborhood. Um, and there's a handful of those throughout the city. Greenwich Village was really the first area that got landmarked uh, as a whole neighborhood and there's a defining line where you can't change at least anything on the exterior if you're exceptionally wealthy which is where a lot of the residents are now um, you can do a lot in the interior uh, but the exterior you kind of have to keep the same facades and that same style so um, I think to our benefit and to the benefit of that neighborhood um, the streets have that old world feel because they're the original streets um, and when they were trying to impose the grid work that we see now even though that was designed in offices in Greenwich Village, the neighborhood uh, pushed back and kept that out. So that's why Wall Street gets a little wonky and uh, the village, you know, we like to say we throw geometry out the window. In fact, one of our, one of our stops, and we briefly talked about it on the Po tour, but there's a three-sided building in Greenwich Village that has two sides on one street and one side on two streets. And it's something that we say can only happen in, in the geography of Greenwich Village. So. But yeah, the houses, the homes, I mean, it, it's very European, very Dutch. Yes, for, yes, I kind of get that feeling. I discovered a jazz bar, and I'm not really into jazz, but I was then. Yeah. <laughs> so it's brilliant, the, the, the work that you're doing and the variety of everything. Um, so just tell us, I, I jumped on your, your Edgar Allan Poe tour. I mean, I suppose it's one of the glories and agonies of the current situation. We might just touch on how America or how New York's coping with the virus at the moment. Uh, but one of the glories is that stuff like this is happening more and more. I mean, who'd heard of Zoom, you know, right. months ago? Uh, and you're, you did the Edgar Allan Poe tour. So just tell us a bit about it. We're sort of celebrating his death, actually, aren't we? Was it the 7th of October he died? But just tell us a bit about, uh, he seems to have been a very colourful character and one of the first perhaps professional writers which i think is why he was so poor but just still goes on to this day doesn't it <laughs> yeah and he, i mean he's he's a really fascinating character and, and one of the things that we would, would talk about on that tour i think we mentioned several times is that it's kind of hard to research him because there's for some reason just the time period you know there weren't a lot of great records kept um you know we, a lot of what we know we pull from letters uh, and, and some of the stuff that are still around. Um, some of the letters get destroyed when, when friendships fell apart. And, and so it's really, you know, it, it's, there's not the same kind of bureaucracy of history that there is today. Um, although as a caveat, because we're no longer writing and everything is digital, there is a concern that a thousand years from now, it'll be very hard to understand what, what the 2000s were like because we won't have as much written anymore. So write some letters to, to, be, to be one of the few people remembered. Um, but he, uh, he's also kind of mixed up because he was, a, he was a complex person and many of the people uh, who have later researched him either had very strong opinions for or against him. And so they added to or tried to take away from some of his reputation, uh, as well as a lot of people who were trying to take advantage and make a fast buck and hustle off of some of the, the Poe's reputation. So, you know, almost everything with his history is a little bit of a grain of salt. One of the, one of the fun stories is I remember watching a YouTube video about the writing of the Raven 
Um, and it was a historian talking about how just about every city in America was trying to claim that the Raven was written there. Um, and Philadelphia and Baltimore, of course, New York City, of course, there was a place in Utah that claimed that some of it was written there. And, and there's a lot of there's a lot of falsehoods and misinformation about that. And so, you know, with any with any kind of history, but especially with Poe, we're making our best guess based off of of what we know, what was written down, what what we have as factual in print. Um, and much of that is that he was. He was a, a writer. He wrote sort of very uh, fantastical, dark and creepy stories. Um, many that you probably either probably familiar with or you've watched things that were heavily influenced by his work. Um, he uh, uh, he was a, a literary critic as he was trying to get into the literary world, world. And he was a very harsh critic. And he made a lot of enemies that way because he did not pull his punches. Um, there is speculation as to how often, you know, I, I think many of us who are actors and directors um, it's hard for us to watch the theater for a certain period of time because all we do is critique it and we start thinking of how much better we would have done it. And sometimes when people succeed that we don't feel like deserve it, it's easy to <laughs> want to find every flaw that you can in there. It's a, it's a sad reality, I think, to the, to the uh, performing world. And I think it's true in the literary world. So one wonders how many of his reviews came out of envy as much as just out of a professional opinion. Um, but he did write a lot of uh, uh, scathing reviews and made, and made some enemies that way. Um, he uh, uh, wrote a lot of works, some of which had some success, some of had success posthumously. Um, and it was really his poem, The Raven, that kind of broke him into the literary scene. And that was written uh, pretty much in 18, late 1844 into early 1845, uh, as much as we can tell. And it was published near the beginning of 1845. And it was through participating in some of these literary salons in the village where he would read that aloud that kind of welcomed him into the inner circle of New York literature. Yeah, and we, in fact, we're going to play The Raven, read by none other than Basil Rathbone. Oh, um, excellent. Because he had quite a rough start, didn't he, Edgar Allan Poe? Did he, he, was, he was an orphan, his parents died, and then he did for a while uh, come to England, didn't he? And he was, uh, I think, Scotland, and then he ended up in boarding school in Chelsea for a short time before going back to the States. Do you know much about his early life? Uh, I haven't I haven't focused that much on that side of it. Um, I know, like you said, he did he did struggle um, with his family and his and his father in particular. Um, they had a, a hard time, and I think his father was one of the reasons why he he tried to get into West Point, um, and uh, that didn't particularly go well. That's uh, a military are, academy, is it? West Point. West Point is a military academy. It's the first sort of U.S. military academy, and it went and it was really kind of put together because you know at the time we were having issues with with this sort of uh, empire. Uh, across the pond that that really kind of wanted to control what we were doing things here. So we, we said, let's start a military and, and get rid of them. Um, and I think some of us are starting to kind of wish we had made a different choice. <laughs> but uh, at any point, that was the sort of the very first military academy and, it, and it's in upstate New York. Um, and he, so he went through there for a while. He did not complete. Um, he was kicked out. Uh, basically, and there's lots of rumors as to as to why, and and again, sort of depends on which biographer you talk to, and and how personally scathed they were by Poe when they wrote their biography. Um, but uh, uh, yeah, it, he 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 really bounced around in a lot of the the key areas. He was in Philadelphia, and that's where he started to get some notoriety and get some writing done. Um, there's actually, you know, as far as West Point goes, there is a plaque somewhere, and I've been trying to find a copy of it again. But it says something along the lines of. While he did not have the metal to be a soldier, he still managed to make his impact upon the world. 
So they did try to give a little bit of a shout out that while he, you know, he wasn't the right type uh, for the for the academy, he did really leave a lasting impact. Um, but yeah, much of our focus has really been trying to focus on his New York years, basically because of, you know, the, the walking tour. And, you know, I'll use that as a segue that the one advantage that this pandemic has given us is that now we can start doing virtual tours where we're not limited to how far somebody can walk in a couple hours. And yeah. we're not limited to which bars are open and what their times are. So in some ways we can go even further with some of these literary tours. And, and we see this as something that will continue with us post, you know, post pandemic when we can be back in person again, as, as we want to keep these going for people who can't maybe make it overseas or not sure if they want to, or again, we can do a Kerouac tour and we can go down to Mexico. You know, and we can find, we can go all over the world. Like we could start really delving into some of Poe's time in London and, and, yeah. and, you know, try to steal a little of your research. <laughs> yeah, I think he was very young though when he left us here. But because yeah. the, the Poe, is it the Poe House? I know from your, your rather excellent uh, online uh, Poe tour uh, a couple of days ago. So he's the house where he, because he died quite young, didn't he? He wasn't an old man. Yeah, he did. He died very young. Um, he died in 49. And, uh, you know, I don't have his birthday in front of me, but it was early 40s um, when he passed away. And yeah, the, the last residence, official residence of his um, is still up in the Bronx. Um, it's been moved, um, I think, a couple of blocks from where it was when he lived there. But they did sort of maintain it. It is kind of a neat little old farmhouse um, from the time period. But he died in Baltimore um, and he lived there for a while. And there is a Poe house down in Baltimore as well um and 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 baltimore really celebrates that in fact their their football team is the baltimore ravens in honor of poe um because that's where he died and, and one of the fascinating stories of uh, of poe is and no one really knows how he died medicine was not as such where they could do really proper um uh, autopsies uh, as as they could uh, now but he he was basically delirious wearing somebody else's clothes found in a ditch and died a few days later and, and, and no one really knows why. And there's been all sorts of speculations with, you know, the, the, the people who want to uh, demean his reputation claim it was drug use, um, which is probably less likely. Um, you know, there's some s stories that it could have been um, rabies actually, which is a, a more recent um, thought because many of the signs seem to have that, that effect of being delirious and take a couple of days and whatnot. Um, there's also a popular opinion that it was what they called cooping, which was, uh, common during those days when there really was more voter fraud. Um, and it was this idea of finding suckers in a bar or poor people or homeless, getting them very, very drunk, dressing them up in different clothes and sending them back in to keep, whoops, keep voting and voting and voting over again. And there's often a little bit of roughery and violence involved in that as well. And so there are, I mean, that would kind of justify the odd clothes and the drunken state and, and, you know, being in a bit of a roughed up position. So, no one, and we will probably never know what the, the true cause of death was for him. I suppose, in a sense, perhaps part of the drama of his life and death. And it's fascinating. I mean, let's not get onto politics as we're uh, recording this in October before the, uh, the US elections uh, that are coming up soon. Uh, I'm Nick Hennigan. I'm talking to Eric Chase, who's in New York. This is Residence 104.4 FM. Uh, also, you can hear us again uh, on the podcast at Residence FM, or you can go to LondonLiteraryPodcrawl.com podcast page where not only can you hear us but you can see us and this video that i'm recording with eric in his very nice office if you're in stereo or listening on dab you'll probably be able to see he's got a couple of guitars in the background it's a very nice is it a home office eric where you are at the moment it is my home office and and i, I actually built this so this this is wow. 
This is my own handiwork, and it looks better from a distance than it does up close. You can see more of the flaws as you get closer. I'm a <laughs> mediocre carpenter at best, but uh, the, uh, when we had my second kid, I lost my upstairs office, and I got moved down to the basement. <laughs> so you don't see the exposed ceiling here, but uh, it does allow for a nice bed. In fact, I don't know, when, if you ever get the video, you can, yeah. I got my Poe plushie there. And, uh, I can see the Poe picture of the, is it a book yeah. on Poe there? Yeah, yeah, brilliant. Oh, and then, yes. And then yep. this over here, this book here, I've, I've, I've kind of browsed through it, but it's The Raven and the Whale. Um, by Perry Miller. Um, I was right. My guides corrected me in the title during the tour. It is The Raven and the Whale uh, by Perry Miller. And it's talking about the early New York literary scene, kind of focusing on the, the, the simultaneous footprints of Hel Herman Melville and Edgar Allan Poe and just what the whole scene was like. So it's a really fascinating historical time period of just what that literary scene um, it was like during that time, but I get yes, it must be a bit like I mean, Soho is known for its sort of writers, and and I think mm -hmm. every generation has gone, oh, it's not what it used to be, oh, it's not. But there there are sort of peaks and troughs of of literary creators, and I guess because it is, we we know what a tough gig it is, really. Uh, you, yeah. you will be drawn together quite often, and um, we must just briefly touch on how, how how is things in New York? How are you doing? How's because you're an actor and a director as well. Mm -hmm. how's, what's, how's morale in New York at this point in time? It, it, it's up and down. And, and I think, I think, you know, both nationwide and, and in the city, you know, there, there's definitely the struggles. The, the hardest part about, you know, going through a pandemic in the city is that you don't have a lot of space. And so you have a large number of people who don't even have access to a backyard. So in the early times, I mean, that, that feeling of cooped up, and I'm sure people in London are, were experiencing some of the same things, but you, you know, you don't even want to go downstairs and maybe you pop out to the front street to walk the dog and that's your fresh of breath air, uh, breath of fresh air. Yeah. Um, so I think in that sense, and the fact that it was so hard hit early on, um, yeah. fortunately, I think overall, you know, the mayor's, the mayor's never popular, whoever's elected in there and he's had some hits and misses. Um, the governor of the whole state, um, again, has been a little bit of a, um, a fiery figure, but I think overall the feeling is that his leadership has been quite strong during this pandemic. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, a, I think a good majority of New Yorkers in, in, in certain age groups were, were, you know, kind of towing the line and trying to do their part. Um, and, you know, they, there was a, a tradition at around seven o'clock every night, everyone would open up their windows and applaud the, uh, the, the, the first, you know, responders and the people working in the hospitals and whatnot to just kind of show a little bit of community spirit. And those videos would get posted and it would always give chills and tears a little bit. And it was that reminder that so many crises that the New York City has faced um, and steps up and, and still faces together. And obviously there's always polarized figures and people coming from different sides, but there, there's something, you know, very unifying sometimes about New Yorkers going through something like that together and, and, and coming together. So um, just tell us uh, how we can find out more about you and the literary pub crawl in New York. What's the best way of getting in touch sure. with you? Well, you can go to our website, which is literarypubcrawl.com. Um, and that has some information, some of our upcoming virtual tours. We are on uh, Facebook, um, Lit Pub Crawl is a good way to search for us. Um, it comes up as New York City Literary Pub Crawls. Um, on Twitter, our handle is Lit Pub Crawl. And on Instagram, our handle is Lit Pub Crawl. So uh, that, that should, <laughs> I've managed to secure the same one on those. Well, so that should make it a little bit easier. And, and, and I think if you do search literary pub crawl in any ways, you'll find your tour, our tour, and the Dublin tour pretty quickly. Um, and so that's some good ways. But if you, if you follow us on social media, we'll keep talking about some of the next upcoming tours that we'll have. Right now, all of our virtual tours are free. Um, 
you know, and for those who can, who can tip the guides, some of our guides are, are, I think like many people are out of work, but we also know that many of our attendees are out of work and we're really doing it not just to get the word out, but as a means of connecting because we need to connect. Yeah. And, and if you can't be in person, you know, even if it's just lifting a glass and trying to tell some fun stories and making it entertaining and humorous, I mean, it's still keeping us as a human species together. And that's the most important part. Yeah, well said, absolutely. And it is, it is a positive side of these, of these dark times. Well, Eric Chase, thank you so much for joining me. Uh, we must do this again. We'll have an update. Maybe yeah, please do. Oh, Letter from America, who invented yeah. that? I can't remember <laughs> it. Um, and uh, what we'll do now on Resonance 104.4, as I say, you can uh, uh, catch Eric on all those uh, social media. You can see this again uh, on uh, Maverick Theatre's YouTube, and you can hear it on the LondonLiteraryPodCrawl.com slash uh, podcast uh, page uh, but right now here is none other celebrating the the death actually i suppose of commemorating commiserating commemorating the, might be a better term yeah, yeah thank you yeah <laughs> commemorating the death of edgar Allan poe this is basil rathbone and the raven once upon a midnight dreary while i pondered weak and weary over many a quaint and curious volume of forgotten law while i nodded Nearly napping, suddenly there came a tapping as of someone gently rapping, rapping at my chamber door. Tis some visitor, I muttered, tapping at my chamber door. Only this and nothing more. Ah, distinctly I remember, it was in the bleak December, and each separate dying ember wrought its ghost upon the floor. Eagerly I wished the morrow, Vainly I had sought to borrow from my books surcease of sorrow, sorrow for the lost Lenore, for the rare and radiant maiden whom the angels name Lenore, nameless here forevermore. The silken, sad, uncertain rustling of each purple curtain thrilled me, filled me with fantastic terrors never felt before. So that now, to still the beating of my heart, I stood repeating, "'Tis some visitor entreating entrance at my chamber door, "'some late visitor entreating entrance at my chamber door. "'This it is, and nothing more.' Presently my soul grew stronger, hesitating then no longer. "'Sir,' said I, or madam, truly your forgiveness I implore, "'but the fact is I was napping, and so gently you came rapping, "'and so faintly you came tapping, tapping at my chamber door, "'that I scarce was sure I heard you. "'Here I opened wide the door.' Darkness there, and nothing more. Deep into that darkness peering, long I stood there wondering, fearing, doubting, dreaming dreams no mortal ever dared to dream before. But the silence was unbroken, and the stillness gave no token, and the only word there spoken was the whispered word, This I whispered, and an echo murmured back the word, Lenore, merely this and nothing more. Back into the chamber turning, all my soul within me burning. Soon again I heard a tapping, something louder than before. Surely, said I, surely that is something at my window lattice. Let me see then what thereat is, and this mystery explore. Let my heart be still a moment of this mystery explore. Tis the wind and nothing more. Open here I flung the shutter when... With many a flirt and flutter, in there stepped a stately raven of the saintly days of yore. Not the least obeisance made he, 
not a minute stopped or stayed he, but with mien of lord or lady perched above my chamber door. Perched upon the bust of Pallas, dust above my chamber door. Perched and sat and nothing more. Then this ebony bird, beguiling my sad fancy into smiling by the grave and stern decorum of the countenance it wore. Though thy crest be shorn and shaven, thou, I said, art sure no craven. Ghastly, grim, and ancient raven, wandering from the nightly shore, tell me what thy lordly name is on the night's Plutonian shore. Quoth the raven, nevermore. Much I marvelled this ungainly fowl to hear discourse so plainly, though its answer little meaning, little relevancy bore, for we cannot help agreeing that no living human being ever yet was blessed with seeing bird above his chamber door, bird or beast, upon the sculptured bust above his chamber door, with such name as nevermore. But the raven, sitting lonely on that placid bust, spoke only that one word, as if his soul in that one word he did outpour. Nothing further than he uttered, not a feather than he fluttered, till I scarcely more than muttered, other friends have flown before, on the morrow he will leave me, as my hopes have flown before. Then the bird said, nevermore. Startled at the stillness broken by reply so aptly spoken, doubtless, said I, what it utters is its only stock and store, caught from some unhappy master, whose unmerciful disaster followed fast and followed faster till his songs one burden bore, till the dirges of his hopes that melancholy burden bore of never, nevermore. But the raven, still beguiling all my sad soul into smiling, straight I wheeled a cushioned seat in front of bird and bust and door. Then upon the velvet sinking I betook myself to linking fancy unto fancy, thinking what this ominous bird of yore, what this grim, ungainly, ghastly, gaunt, and ominous bird of yore meant in croaking nevermore. This I sat engaged in guessing, but no syllable expressing to the fowl whose fiery eyes now burned into my bosom's core. This and more I sat divining, with my head at ease, reclining on the cushion's velvet lining that the lamplight gloated o'er, but whose velvet violet lining with the lamplight gloating o'er she shall press, ah, nevermore. Then methought, the air grew denser, perfumed from an unseen censer swung by seraphim, whose footfalls tinkled on the tufted floor. Wretch, I cried, thy God hath lent thee, by these angels he hath sent thee respite, respite and nepenthe from thy memories of Lenore. Quaff, oh, quaff this kind nepenthe, and forget this lost Lenore. Worth the raven, nevermore. Prophet, said I, thing of evil, prophet still, if bird or devil, whether tempter sent or whether tempest tossed thee here ashore, desolate yet all undaunted, on this desert land enchanted, on this home by horror haunted, tell me truly, I implore, is the, is the balm in Gilead? Tell me, tell me, I implore. 
quoth the raven, nevermore. Prophet, said I, thing of evil, prophet still of bird or devil, by that heaven that bends above us, by that God we both adore, tell this soul with sorrow laden if within the distant Aden it shall clasp a sainted maiden whom the angels name Lenore, clasp a rare and radiant maiden whom the angels name Lenore, quoth the raven, nevermore. Be that word our sign of parting, bird or fiend, I shrieked upstarting. Get thee back into the tempest of the night's Plutonian shore. Leave no black plume as a token of that lie thy soul hath spoken. Leave my loneliness unbroken. Quit the bust above my door. Take thy beak from out my heart and take thy form from off my door. Quoth the raven, nevermore. And the raven, never flitting, still is sitting, still is sitting on the pallid bust of Pallas just above my chamber door. And his eyes of all the seeming of a demon's that is dreaming, and the lamplight o'er him streaming throws his shadow on the floor. And my soul, from out that shadow that lies floating on the floor, shall be lifted. Nevermore. Basil Rathbone and the Raven by Edgar Allan Poe, whose death we are commemorating. Uh, he passed away 7th of October, 1849. And that's it from me. Thanks very much to Eric Chase from New York for joining me. I'll see you next time. Don't forget, if you'd like to get in touch, radio at mavericktheatre.co.uk. Radio at mavericktheatre.co.uk. I'll see you next time. I'm Nick Hennigan. This is Resonance 104.4 FM. <laughs>